Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and uh, with me as usual is uh, Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, James. Just uh, waiting for baseball to officially start. We're getting close. Yeah, about uh, seven days away. It can't, uh, it can't be any any closer. We can uh, we can all smell it. It's 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 almost here. Um, you know, we've uh, been on a little bit of a hiatus with our show. It's been what almost eight months, Patrick. Yeah, just just a little bit of a hiatus. <laughs> just a little bit of a hiatus. But uh, you know, Patrick and I didn't want to suffer in 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 bringing you uh, you know quality content and uh, you know. Life happens, uh, so we took a little bit of a break, but um, fortunately, both of us have a little bit of more of a free time, and there's been a little bit of a demand for the podcast, so we're going to head and uh, fire up the old podcast machine, and and, uh, and we're back. Yeah, it feels, feels good to be finally at this again. I mean, like you said, it's been eight months, and there's been so much to talk about that we haven't been talking about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think what, Jesse was our last guest. And, yeah, uh, Jesse Agler. We were talking about the Matt Kemp trade and what it meant to the clubhouse, and that seems like wow. years ago. It does. It, it really does. It seems like it seems like seasons ago. But yeah. you know, that, I'm sure that's going to be a topic that's going to come up um, quite a few times in in our podcast. Uh, the Matt Kemp, the Matt Kemp and uh, James Shields era that we uh, had to suffer through. Yeah, definitely interesting times that um, some of us would soon like to forget, but it for was sure, an experience. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we're we're on to more positive things now. The, the 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 future is bright with this team, and and you know it's just uh we're we're trying to be positive. Although two thousand seventeen might be a little bit of a trying year, but I think uh, most of the Padre fans that are knowledgeable know what to expect in the season, and it's just about growth and witnessing firsthand the young players that we've all read and, and heard about. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of those things where obviously the team's not going to be a winner, but there's so much young talent to look forward to. And even in the minor leagues, I know people don't really pay as much attention to the minor leagues, but there's so many players coming through the system. And obviously you and me are going to be making Lake Elsinore our second home. So Yes, uh, there's, definitely. There's going to be a lot of players to watch, and there will be a lot of news coming, and we will be trying to cover every bit we can. Yeah, for sure. And and speaking of that, uh, for our 28th uh, guest, we're going to bring you AJ Casavell of MLB.com, uh, who's uh, you know been gener- generous enough to spend some time with us and uh, talk about Padre baseball. You know, he sees the team firsthand and and uh, is uh, you know talking to the players on a daily basis, and it's, it's great to get uh, firsthand information from someone like uh, like AJ. Yeah, it's always great to talk to AJ. He always has so much information that. Obviously, we fans don't get on a daily basis because we're not in the clubhouse. We're not talking to the players, talking to the coach. So he's he's got more more information than I think we could possibly handle. But it's always good to have. Definitely, definitely, it's nice to get an, an opinion from from someone who's uh, you know looking in the eyes of, of the players and and seeing uh, seeing that uh, things that the you know typical fan can't necessarily see. Of course. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, we will be right back uh, with AJ Casavell. Uh, stay tuned, and uh, thank you for joining us on our 28th uh, EVT podcast. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to our 28th episode of our uh, Padres EVT podcast. Um, with us, we have AJ Casavell of MLB.com. Uh, what's going on, AJ? How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Not a problem. Not a problem. It's a it's an exciting time of the year. Um, you know, the Padres had a pretty decent showing today with those uh, four home runs, uh, win aided home runs. I, I, I might add. Uh, <laughs> um, 
you know, Carter Caps was uh, took them out today. That was a pretty exciting thing uh, for a lot of fans to see. Um, talk to me about what you see in in his motion, in his new motion, and you know what what you saw today out of him. Yeah, I think uh, he's still kind of kind of trying to put it back together. I mean, it's he, he is only twelve months removed from Tommy John surgery, so uh, for people to he, he's ahead of the, he's ahead of schedule already. I think. Uh, most people, maybe this would would have been a June or, or a July type comeback. He's trying to come back by opening day. He really wants to come back by opening day. But um, if if he's if he ends up coming back in the middle of April, I don't think he's put it all together yet. I think you saw that today with uh, m- maybe a lack of consistency, I guess, in his motion. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, he ended up walking the last two guys he faced. I think he threw, I think he threw twenty three pitches. I think uh, only nine or ten of them strikes so he's, he's still tr- he's still trying to find it I mean it's it's his first game of spring training when everyone else is pretty much in regular season form so uh, I think his motion he, he really didn't change anything it's back to essentially back to where it was and at the end of uh, in, in 2015 he what he did change was he changed it from uh, what he what he was doing at the start of camp which um, was kind of the, the, the double hop. Uh, which baseball mm-hmm. outlawed? Um, from talking to him and from talking to Andy Green, I think that's that's more just just uh, I guess a a comfortable way of of him easing back into his uh, delivery, and then eventually he kind of irons out the the kinks and 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 gets to where he needs to get to within Major League Baseball's guidelines. For sure, for, you know you you have to respect the fact that you know he's coming back at you know recovering Tommy John surgery and coming back ahead of schedule. But you got, you got to think that the the team is going to be careful with him and, and you know, mm-hmm. harness his harness him and, you know, not don't, you don't want to rush him back. He's, he already has a funky motion and, and it, it cringes. It cringes. I, I cringe every time I see him throw and it, I, I'm sure that the Padre staff is going to be do the due diligence and, and take their time and, and letting him, you know, come back and ease his way back in. But, you know, it was nice to see him out there. And um, velocity-wise, did, did you have a reading on, on what he was hitting velocity-wise today? Yeah, he was he was around 93, 94. I know in the past he's been okay. around 98. But that's I think that's pretty typical of uh, the first outing in spring. If you if you go yeah. back to what some guys were throwing in February when they were when they were at their first outing, I think he, he might have hit – he hit 95. I don't know that he hit 96. I don't think he did. Um, okay. but, uh, I, I, it's, I mean, we're, we're, if we're talking about that as a, uh, as, as a dip in velocity that, that shows you exactly what kind of flamethrower he is. Uh, yeah. he brings the heat and I think, uh, I mean, like I said, it looks like he's still tr- kind of trying to iron out his mechanics and, and more than anything else, try and repeat his delivery and get the, get, I guess the, just, just the, the repetition and the muscle memory back. And then once that, once that comes, the velocity will too. Uh, so I, I, I mean, all in all, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't pretty. The results weren't pretty, at least. But it was, uh, it the, he came out of it healthy, and he came came out of it uh, pretty optimistic about how his arm felt. So uh, so going forward, I think that's a good sign for Padres fans because he could be a weapon. Yeah, no, he's definitely a weapon. You know, it, that drag motion is just gonna, you know, it's just gonna take time for him to get used to. I would imagine it's it's quite different than his hop and release that he used to used to utilize um patrick uh let's talk a little bit about um i, I know you wanted to talk about the the, the uh, i guess it's a third base battle now between ryan Schimpf and and cory spangenberg um 
Yeah. AJ, you know, talk talk to me a little bit about what what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know that I don't know for a fact that Solarte that I, it, it's it's basically Corey Spangenberg versus Ryan Schimpf with Jan Harris Solarte moving to second base now. I don't know that Solarte mm-hmm. is a better second second baseman than either of those two. Um, no, I, so it's 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 interesting to me. I haven't uh, completely gotten a firm grasp on the Padres' reasoning behind it. Um, I I will say that I think his footwork around the bag might be a little better than both than both Spangenberg and Schimpf. Um, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know that he has the same range as Corey Spangenberg, but at the same time, both Spangenberg and Schimpf are good, are, are, are solid third basemen, and it's not. I think essentially what you have on your hands uh, there is is three players who are probably better at third base than they are at second base. One of them got to play mm-hmm. second. Uh, it's going to end up being Solarte. So, uh, well, barring something changing, that that's the situation you have in your hands, and then it comes down to Schimpf and Spangenberg, and in in that race, I think that's. That might be as wide open a race as any in, in baseball right now because we really haven't gotten to see a whole lot of Ryan Schimpf this spring. Corey Spangenberg's been really good. Ryan Schimpf over the last couple of days has been really good. He's a couple of homers. He's he's drawn yeah. walks. So uh, you'll I think what'll happen is uh, they'll settle in. They'll probably settle in one guy, but you'll see both of them in games, and you might even see Corey Spangenberg in left field sometimes against right-handed pitching, just uh, mostly just because. You want to get those three bats in the lineup against the against certain right-handers who are who are tough on righties. Do you uh, do you think there's a favorite for that job right now, or you think Spangenberg and uh, Schimp are still kind of up in the air there? That's that's a tough question. Like I mean, I think I, I like I said, I think it's one of the more wide open races. If you had asked me three days ago, I would have said uh, I would have said it's it's a complete toss up. I think Ryan Schimp is starting to fall into the groove that he was in in the second half of last season. So in in that sense, I I, w- I might handicap Schimpf as the slight favorite, especially because he's he's done it more recently. Spangenberg's great second half was in twenty fifteen. Schimpf's was last year. So I think we're we're pretty much at the point we were at the beginning of camp, where it looked like Schimpf was a slight favorite, only because of what he had done recently. But where Spangenberg could certainly see the bulk of the playing time. It'll it, it's one of those things that's going to be. This isn't a position battle that's going to be settled when camp ends. It's, it's going to continue into the regular season. If one guy struggles and the other guy performs, then it could very well flip-flop. Yeah, I think it's also a difficult situation because obviously both are left-handed, so you can't really mm-hmm. have a platoon situation per se. So it's really just going to be, I think, I think it's going to be split time, honestly. I don't see one guy winning that job outright, at least anytime soon. I think it's going to come down to what you said where one guy's going to maybe get hurt or out, or the other guy will outperform him and then they'll start playing one or the other uh, more frequently. Because I think Solarte is a pretty consistent guy in the lineup. He's going to be a guy out there every day regardless of whether he's playing third, second. Um, but the other two, I think it's kind of going to be a mix and match at least. That's what it seems like to me at this point because I know they obviously they like both guys a lot and they've had good, both guys have had good good times. So I think it's definitely something that's going to play out as the season goes on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the that's the way to look at it, and and I mean, heaven forbid anything happens to to any of those guys, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Padres are at least deep enough to to withstand a potential injury. Yeah, I yeah. Guess I, I no, start... de- oh, go ahead, James. <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say depth is definitely a great thing to have on on, on the team, and, and we do have a, a depth a position of depth at, at second and third, and you know, to me, it, it's it's interesting that Schimpf and Spangenberg are almost you know complete opposites of each other you know one's a on base speed type of singles type of hitter slash type of hitter and the other one seems to be an all power type of hitter and 
you know, I, I wish one of them were right-handed hitting, and, and it would be a, a, an excellent uh, duo to to platoon. And, and at this point, it's kind of going to be whoever has the hot hand. I, I would imagine. Man, I wish one could play shortstop. <laughs> I guess that's a good segue, uh, AJ. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> how do you see the uh, shortstop uh, spots uh, playing out? I know that. I guess Sardinas has been, I guess, relegated to fighting for a utility role at this point. So, do you think Ibar that's his job now, and there's no nothing that's going to change that, or you think maybe uh, Sardinas can come back, or what do you think is going to happen there? That's uh, that's that's the question of the day. I think uh, Ibar's Ibar's got the job pretty much locked down, uh, and it's his it's his for the foreseeable future until he until he loses it. Uh, Sardinas has has not looked very good this spring. He's not hitting the ball with any authority. Uh, he hit a homer today, so maybe that's a sign of, of things to come. But if you look at if you do the roster math, it's tough to see exactly where he fits in. Now he's out of options, so if, if you if you you would need to designate him for assignment. Uh, so I, and I know for a fact the Padres don't want to lose him. They're not ready to give up on him. But the the way the roster is constructed and the way the, the Padres are, are the way the Padres are looking going forward. Uh, it's hard to find space for Sardinius. Could he bounce back? He was, yeah, absolutely. He had a he had a solid end of the season last year, and if he plays like that, uh, the Padres would like what they're seeing. But uh, his mm-hmm. Sardinius at the plate hasn't been great in the field. He's been he's been better than he was last season. I think last season he was prone to a few mental lapses. He hasn't had many of those this spring. Uh, mm-hmm. But he but he but he hasn't been by any stretch uh, a fantastic defender. He hasn't been as good as Eric Ibar. So uh, obviously, a lot a lot of fans are upset that that Ibar is more he's a veteran type, and Sardinas is the young guy, and they want to see the young guy get the playing time. But uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, the organization wants to create uh, a culture of if you don't earn the job, you don't you don't get the job. And and well, that's with Eric Ibar, yeah. he's he's won the job in camp with a pretty solid spring, and Luis Sardinas. Uh, didn't earn the job, and if Luis Sardinus isn't ready to play shortstop every day at the major league level, well, he probably shouldn't be doing that for the Padres. If it if it kind of starts to, if 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 it could affect, I guess, the culture they're creating with the team. Yeah, I think I was I was one of the ones that said on Twitter, "Why is Sardinus not getting the job? Like, why are you giving mm-hmm. it to Ibar?" But I can see the point that you do need some sort of veteran leadership on the team, and Ibar is from all from all I've heard, he's a great clubhouse guy. So. Um, I, I think you want a guy like that. I know Will Myers is kind of taking on that leadership sort of role, but he's still a young kid himself. So I think you're right that it's good to have that sort of presence on the team as well. Um, yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on Alan Cordoba and his, I guess, chance of making the roster? Because he's kind of that outside looking in sort of thing at this point. Yeah, I've been I've been impressed by Cordoba, and I just want to I just want to go back to, to touch on one thing. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not big into clubhouse leaders and veteran guys just getting a job just for the sake of them being being veteran guys, but mm-hmm. I, I'm also, I also don't, don't particularly love the concept of if a guy isn't major league ready or if a guy isn't, isn't of, of the caliber of, of being able to compete at the major league level, you just throw him onto the big league team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sardinius is, is kind of teetering on that fence of whether he can handle playing every day at the major league level. And it, it right now, if you, based on his spring, if you would ask me, I would say, probably he, he probably can't handle it at least not right now so uh that's an interesting case study i'm not i i'm i i, I think eric ibar is a very good clubhouse presence but i'm i don't think anyone should win a job based on how you are in the clubhouse um mm-hmm. but that he's performed this spring if the Padres don't have any other options who knows maybe they explore a trade down the road but but to get to cordoba who you want to talk about he's I, i've been impressed by him and his his offensive numbers aren't great but he he 
he can hit the ball with some authority, which uh, the scouting reports earlier on kind of said that that he's he's more of a slap hitter kind of guy. I've actually noticed him him driving the ball a little bit, which which hmm. is a good sign for a guy who's twenty years old. But he can play pretty much everywhere. He's a he's a great athlete. Uh, defensively, we haven't gotten a good look at him at shortstop yet. Really, I mean, he hasn't. From what I've seen, he hasn't done anything wrong. But there's just not enough. There's not enough data to tell. Uh, to tell what kind of shortstop he is, but he can do everything, and he's, he's definitely an athlete. Uh, so it, 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 I guess, becomes clear. The more you watch him, the more you understand, okay, I understand why the Padres went after this guy, even though he's never played above rookie ball. I think he, he down the road, he could, he could be a player. The challenge is going to be keeping him on the roster for the whole year, though. Yeah, yeah, no. He, I feel the same way about uh, Cordoba. He's, he's been impressive. Um, for being someone who's never played above, was it single A, high A? You know, he, he's he's shown the intangibles that of someone who's kind of you know comfortable in in being in front of major leaguers and performing in front of them, and that's that that in itself speaks says a lot. You know, I mean, the game of baseball is about confidence and, and about carrying yourself, and he definitely is not going to lack in that um, area. Um, AJ, I'm curious about your other your thoughts about the other two um, Rule Five picks. Um, Miguel Diaz has looked really impressive. Um, Tor- Torrens is, you know, he probably started out. He started out a little slow, but he's been impressive. Uh, he had a nice opposite field double today. Um, talk to me about those two, and what are the odds of the Padres uh, carrying all three Rule Five picks? Well, to start the year, I think the odds are really good. I think there's 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 a great chance. Of okay. Probably somewhere in the nineties that they carry all all three of those guys. I'm going to have a. Uh, not to self-promote here, but I'm going to have a mailbag that answers a few questions, and I got that question nice. a few times. So I'll, so I will answer nice. that question more in depth there. But uh, Miguel Diaz, is he's – if you think back to where Luis Perdomo was at this point last season, uh, it, it it was ugly. He didn't he, – it looked like there was no way. There was no way this, this kid was going to – was going to last even through through April, let alone the yeah. entire season. And sure enough, he developed a sinker and became uh, maybe the Padres' best starting pitcher in the second half of the year. But uh, Miguel Diaz is miles ahead of that. Miguel Diaz is, doesn't look overmatched against major league hitters. He's more of a power guy uh, than than Perdomo was. But it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be too difficult for the Padres to keep Miguel Diaz. Uh, because just because they can they can kind of have him fill that back end of the bullpen role, and he can pitch multiple innings if they need him. So even if he's if he's going three innings and allowing three runs in a mop up game and in a blowout, maybe that hurts his confidence a little bit. But but you know what? He, there's a spot for him on the roster, and, and yeah, there's yeah. there's a way to kind of hide him uh, from from maybe pitching in those higher leverage situations. So the relief pitchers are always, I, I think, the easiest. Or he's not a reliever. They view him as a starter long term. But relief mm-hmm. pitchers are the easiest to, to keep around in Rule 5. Now, I would argue that catchers are probably the toughest because usually you only want yes. to carry two catchers. And Luis Torrens, uh, I, I mean, I think he's, I think he's, he, calls a, he calls a good game. Um, and he, he does a lot of things you want to see out of a catcher, right? He's got a good arm and he controls the running game. Uh, fairly well considering he's never played above single a so uh again you you see why the padres wanted to keep him now the question is how exactly does does he fit on the roster my thing is uh with torrens and with cordoba uh if if neither of them hit if if we go the whole year and i think they're both hitting around 140 right now uh in spring training if they if we go if if we go into may and they're still doing that 
mm-hmm. the Padres are in some trouble. There's just not enough room on the roster to carry those guys. So uh, at, at that point, uh, they might have to make a decision with one of them, and maybe they'll have a better idea of who they, they think projects as the better long-term guy. But uh, bo- both of them both of them look like players. Uh, it's just a matter of it's, it's not easy to be in a major league roster, yeah. especially if the Padres are battling – an injury or two during the season, um, and and uh, maybe it's not long enough for a guy to go on the disabled list, but it's it's long enough to keep a guy out for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, then then their bench is just so unbelievably thin, and it, it just doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't seem feasible if one of those two guys at least isn't hitting. No, no, yeah, I, I totally I totally see what you know where you're going with that. You know, you, you really have to commend AJ Preller and, and the the scouting staff for for coming up with these three young men that you know obviously have what it takes and, and that are you know they're right there. You know, a, a lot of teams have already given back their Rule Five picks, um, and obviously, you know, the Padres are in a different situation in a rebuilding season and all. But these three young men are are valuable prospects. They they have the ability to to be long term major leaguers um, in the right scenario. Um, you know, there's been several pitchers in particular that have stood out uh, in in camp this year. Uh, young young pitchers, um, Brad Wick and uh, Phil Maton come to mind uh, off the top of my head. Um, talk to me about anybody else who you know that you've seen um, from this young Padres team that's emerged this season. Well, I'll, I'll talk about Maton first. He's been he he's in my mind been maybe the most impressive Padre uh, this spring. He's Mm-hmm. People just can't hit his fastball, and it's not—it's not particularly yeah. high-velocity fastball, but it's—it's it's got the high spin rate, and he just—he he throws it in the right spots, and no one really squares it up. Um, no. I wasn't at the game the other day where he gave up his first run of the spring, but hey, he's only given up one run all spring. Um, he strikes guys mm-hmm. out. Another guy in the bullpen, Jose Torres. We saw him early early last season. He's—he's—he's he's, he's looked really good against some major league caliber hitters. So. The back end of that bullpen, um, I think everyone everyone kind of thought with Bookter and Mauer it was going to be the bullpen was going to be a strength. But it, it, now bullpens are up in the air every year. But um, I think the Padres could have a deeper bullpen than maybe uh, than maybe some people thought. Um, uh, who else has impressed me? Um, Luis Urias, well, when he was around uh, yeah. in the early camp, he's he, he looks solid. I think he could be a player. I don't know if he can play shortstop. That's that's what the Padres were trying out. Um, yeah. Obviously, if he could, that that would make him a long term asset asset. But he he uh, uh, he impressed me. He kind of seems to spray line drives every time he hits the ball. So uh, yeah, he does. He's a he's a, he's a fun player, and I think Padres fans could get behind him. Definitely, and being so, so young, I mean, he's what nineteen. He, he, he's just mm-hmm. a very advanced hitter for his age. So, speaking of yeah. uh, speaking of young players that are promising, I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on Adrian Morajon and how he's looked uh, so far in, on the backfield. I know I've heard a lot of glowing reviews from kind of what he's shown so far, and I wanted to I wanted to know if you had seen him at all, or if you had heard anything from scouts or anyone in the organization. I saw him only only briefly and and did not for long enough to be able to to be able to give any sort of uh, any sort of report of my own. But I've I've heard nothing nothing but good things about him and nothing but good things about any of the those three top pitching prospects, Espinosa and Quantrill included. I think uh, one thing one thing when you look at when you look at those three guys, it's it's, it's particularly interesting to me because they all come from they all came to the Padres in different ways. Marajon through the international signings, uh, Quantrill through the 
through the draft and uh, Espinoza via trade, well, those are kind of the three ways the Padres are looking to rebuild. So uh, they're all three of them are impressive. Um, uh, I haven't heard anything particular about Morihon other than that he we talked about with Urias. He looks particularly advanced for his age, uh, especially with with command of multiple pitches. Not everyone at his age can do that. So um, it's. The the crop of young pitchers is impressive. Obviously, we know the hitting talent's getting here now, but the pitching talent, if if it pans out the way, and I don't I don't claim to be a scout of any kind. I don't claim to be able to see a pitcher and know, hey, this guy's going to be the real deal. But from what I've heard, uh, they they have some guys that should pan out. Yeah, it's definitely the kind of stuff you want to hear, especially for Padre fans who've obviously had it kind of rough the last really decade. So. There's always, it's always nice to hear that good sort of news that these these young players are advanced and they're they're uh, perfecting their craft and they're improving and they're going to hopefully help the team someday in the future. Um, speaking of pitching, though, how do you see the current rotation shaking out? I know we have uh, Chassin probably going to be in the rotation. Jared Weaver is probably going to be in the rotation. Clayton Richard. But uh, the last like two spots uh, are kind of still up in the air. So how do you see that playing out? I know there's been quite a few guys sent down already a few guys have kind of already i know christian friedrich had a had a chance at that now he's injured so how do you see those last uh two spots shaking out i think it's truly cozart cahill and perdomo for for the most part that are that are vying yeah. for the spot so how do you see that shaking out yeah yeah that's 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 pretty much the best way to handicap it i think friedrich if, if even if he had been in it he was kind of struggling this spring i don't know whether that's because of his sore arm mm-hmm. uh but he was kind of struggling spring spring anyway and, and may have fallen to the bullpen so uh luis perdomo has impressed me i mean i not I, I saw what he did all last year but you know but but sometimes guys come to spring training and, and maybe have a letdown he, he just looks like the same pitcher he was when he was on last year now it's cactus league you can't read too much into that but he's getting ground balls, and he's not getting he's he's getting ground balls. He's not getting a lot of hard contact in the air. So uh, I, if it were, it's it's not my call. But I, but if it were up to me, he would he would have a spot in the rotation. I know there's some there's some service time debate. There's also some debate about whether he needs to rest his arm uh, mm-hmm. for a little bit. Now the, the the second of those concerns, resting his arm, um, that can be used, I think, as as a reason as a way to get him under the service time limit and get the Padres another year of team control. I think if you put Perdomo in the starting rotation and maybe one or two times during the season option him to triple A and, and give his arm a break just, just from the grind of pitching every five days. He never pitched over I think I think he threw hundred forty five innings last year. Uh, he's, he's not gonna go out there and throw two hundred ten innings this year. So if you take maybe one or two you give him one or two breathers during the season at AAA where he goes down there, maybe throws an inning or two like the Padres did with Colin Ray last year. Well, all of a sudden you've got you've got that extra year of team control and you've managed to help your pitcher's health. So I have Perdomo in one of those spots. Uh, in the other spot, just based on how they've looked this spring, I would give it to Cahill um, and, and have Jared Cozart starting the season coming out of the bullpen as, as a long man. I also wouldn't be surprised if during some of the longer stretches without off days, the Padres went to a brief six-man rotation. Not to say that they would have a, three, a six-man rotation for, for an extended period of time, maybe just once in a while, and Cozart would get the ball in those games. Nice, nice. Go ahead, James. No, I was just coming. I was just going to say, uh, I know last year – 
I had mentioned that I thought Jared Kozar would look really good in the bullpen, and that might just play out here. So the way he pitches, I think he could be a pretty good late-inning reliever. So I guess we'll have to see if he ends up in that role or if he still gets a chance to start. But if it doesn't work out as a starter, I think he's still a useful player for them to have. Yeah, yeah I definitely. Think that, I think um, the way he throws is conducive. I think uh, there's, there's, there is another mentality to pitching out of the bullpen. and. Mm-hmm. He has a tendency to maybe start games off being a, a little a little wild at times. Uh, that might not play so well in the bullpen, but with, with what he throws, with, with kind of fastball cutter, and I, I think there is something to be said about that because he does seem to struggle the second time through the rotation. Yeah. The you, know, you mentioned service time uh, a little bit with Perdomo. Do you, do you really think that's a, a reality? I know a lot of fans are um, a little skeptical about sending him down to a, a hitter's league like the, you know, in Texas and whether that will damage his psyche or, you know, and, and the same thing with Margot. Um, although I see, I probably think Margot is probably a, a feasible decision to, to send him down just to, to protect him for one more year. Um, what are your thoughts on the service time talk um, amongst the ball club or have you heard anything um, from anyone, any sources or anything in, in, uh, within the club? Yeah, I mean the Padres don't talk about service time as as the reason, but you can you can kind of read yeah. from the lens on some things. The, I mean the other the other thing is uh, Margot Margot hasn't had too much of a of a spring training in the first place. So if I mean he hasn't he hasn't been great, uh, mm-hmm. he hasn't been bad by any stretch. But you could you could legitimately make the argument that he could use some time, some more seasoning in AAA. So if he doesn't start the season with the club, if say they give that fourth outfielder spot to Colin Cowgill. Well, Manuel Margot could very well use those first couple weeks of the season at AAA to, to I guess, hone himself to, to really get ready for the major league season. Then the Padres could call him up in the beginning of May or something like that. That's a legitimate argument to make. I think with Perdomo, mm-hmm. it's with Perdomo, it's different, um, just because he's he's obviously already big league ready. So uh, with Marco, you can make an argument to say, well, he needs this time at AAA. With Perdomo, uh, Perdomo doesn't need time at AAA, but Perdomo could use some rest at AAA. So if you you send him to AAA and have him throwing seven innings, well, maybe El Paso is not the best place for Luis Perdomo to be pitching. But (laughs) But if you send him to AAA and have him throw an inning or two uh, and maybe... Skip a skip a start, throw an inning or two, take ten days down and at on on the AAA roster. Um, at the at, you're doing two things at the same time. One, you're saving his arm, and two, you're uh, you're you're getting an extra year of of team control at the end of his contract. For sure, you, you know the team's going to do what they think is right, and you know it's it's about protecting the players. And, and you know Perdomo could definitely use some time off, you know, as far as innings pitched, but. I think you hit the nail on the head with Margot. He's battling a little bit of a knee injury. He started off a little slow. There's there's definitely no problem in letting him sit in uh, in El Paso for a little bit. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to hit on you. Uh, you know, this is it's been a full calendar year you've been here in in, in San Diego covering the Padres. Um, talk to me about the night and day difference you see in this year's team opposed to last year's team with, say, uh, uh, James Shields and a Matt Camp. Um, in the locker room, um, what is the vibe in the locker room? Is do you feel a difference, or can can you talk about that at all? Yeah, there's there's a difference. Uh, I, I I don't know exactly, um, I don't know exactly how to how to describe the difference other than 
other than uh Hmm. That's a good question because because obviously yeah. part of, part of it's being in there and I'm not even I'm not in there all the time but it just it does seem to be uh, it does seem to be kind of a more inclusive clubhouse a more um, uh, th- there's not necessarily this this group of veterans and this group of youngsters it's it's more kind of just well I mean in, for for the first of all everyone's pretty much young the the the, the veterans are kind of the odd people out. Uh, so they're they're the ones that kind of have to that have to do the fitting in, but um, you look at something like uh, I don't wanna, I don't want to use the ping pong tournament as an example because it's not I mean like every team does team building stuff all the time, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but uh, Luis Torrens is the favorite. Um, well, he's uh, I mean he's he's a Rule Five guy and everyone already kind of seems to it, it's not about the ping pong tournament it's just about the fact that everyone kind of kind of seems to think that hey he's he belongs on this team and it's the same same goes for Cordoba and Miguel Diaz it's it's a it's a pretty inclusive clubhouse and that part of that stems from the fact that everyone's so young yeah no I, I can hear that I mean I can definitely feel that I mean it, I mean I've, I've heard interactions between like you and Matt Kemp last year I mean them calling you dog and stuff like that it's it's got to be a different type of vibe that a, a veteran you know all-star type player like that gives off than, than a younger player who's, you know, just hungry and happy to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. I think, uh, <laughs> Will, Will Myers is, is, uh, kind of the prime example of what the Padres, I guess the, the bar, the Padres want to set just in terms of, of, yeah, he's, he's good and he's the reigning all-star, but he also doesn't really, act like he's good in the reigning all-star you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah uh, so he's he, i mean he just more he just kind of he just wants to have fun and he wants to he wants to interact with whoever wants to interact with him so there's no he, he's not going to big league anyone um and and he that he sets that that example and, and it runs from him on down definitely hey uh all right aj i had a, just one more question for you about the state of the potter's outfield which I think probably will be the most fun part of the team to watch. I know you have Renfro coming up. Margot will be there eventually. Once Dickerson comes back, Jankowski. I uh, wanted your thoughts on how you see the outfield shaking out in terms of playing time. Um, if you agree that that's kind of the most, I guess, fun part of the team to watch at this point. I agree 100%. I think um, uh, obviously Renfro and Margot, everyone's excited to watch. But Jankowski and Dickerson proved – uh, pretty clearly that they're major league caliber players. So uh, everyone's kind of concerned about who's going to start, where's gonna, where's the playing time going to go, that kind of thing. Um, I am not. I don't think it's an issue. I think that uh, Padres have four young guys, and if all four of them are healthy, well, that's a bonus. Right now they're not. Alex Dickerson's dealing with the back with the back issue. But let's say, uh, let's for for the sake of argument, let's say all four are healthy. Well, it's not the worst thing in the world if you give a young, either a rookie or a sophomore outfielder, if you give, if you give a young guy a day off once every four days to kind of collect himself. So uh, I would expect if they're all healthy, uh, come June on when Margot's at the major league level and Renfro and, and Dickerson and Jankowski, I would expect the four of them to split playing time uh, pretty evenly. Obviously, if one of them's riding a hot streak or if one of them has the right matchup, then you go with that guy. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just I, I don't I don't see an issue. It's this is not Ryan Schimpf versus Corey Spangenberg where you one guy's gonna play, one guy's gonna be off. 
this is three guys playing one guy off. And if you want to rotate that, plus the fact that they're all young and could use the day off, uh, it'll help them down the road in September. Uh, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch, and I, I honestly uh, am not concerned about the playing time at all. I think there's plenty to go around in the outfield. Yeah, I think if each yeah. guy can get like 400, 450 at-bats on the season, I think that's mm-hmm. not a bad recipe to have, especially for four guys that are all still young and they're obviously all developing still. So I think that's a good a good problem to have if you want to call it a problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, and that's the way the Padres view it. Yeah, no, definitely. The, the outfield is definitely going to be uh, exciting to, to see. Um, you know, my last question uh, I'd like to talk about is, you know, one of my favorite aspects of the team, and, and that's Andy Green. Um AJ, give me a, a favorite quote or, or story you have uh, about AJ about uh, Andy over the past year. <laughs> a favorite story? I, I'll come back with a better one. I'll come back with a better one next time uh, okay. when I when I have some time to think about it. But um, uh, I, he, it's just he, he's he's very smart and he's very he he goes about his business every everything he has to do he does it well and he he wants to do it with purpose even. Even the manager media session that he has to do every morning, you can tell. I mean, there's no manager in baseball that that enjoys that. It's just a part of their job. But he he makes sure he answers every question to the fullest. And um, I think uh, one of the good things was there. Was, someone asked him about rookie hazing, and this is just off the top of my head. This is because it's so recent. Someone asked him about rookie hazing. I want to say on Friday, and and Andy Green essentially his response was, "Well, I never cared for it, but I I like people can do whatever they want." Um, I was never a fan of it, and then and, and he said, "Well, and, and as far as this year goes, well, if 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 we were rookie hazing, I'm pretty sure that would be three quarters of the team." So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so so he he kind of laughed that question off. He's a, he has a well thought out, uh, meaningful response uh, to everything. Um, he uh, I, I, another another one that comes to mind is after the Preller suspension last year, he went on, no lie, a 21 minute. Uh, soliloquy kind of defending the Padres and defending Preller um uh-huh. and then uh, uh Dennis Lynn of the Union Tribune and I were, were joking around with him uh about uh, whether he could top the 20,000 word uh monologue the next day so he's <laughs> he's uh he, he does I mean he does everything he he, he does everything everything he does he does with purpose and uh yeah I think yeah. that's that's what you want to see out of a manager of people yeah, no, def- especially a young crew like the Padres have. I mean, they have a, a very well-respected and, and a straight shooter for a, a manager and a leader and someone who's going to you know tell you like it is, and, and I think a, a lot of players respect that um, out, of, out of their manager. Yeah, I truly think they have the right man to bring this team, like to bring a winner back to San Diego. I think that he's really the right guy for the job. Yep, for sure. All right, AJ, you know, thank you so much for, for spending time with us on, uh, on a Monday evening. Um, you know, we appreciate it, and we'll definitely have you on uh, again uh, throughout the season, and um, we love to talk Padres baseball. As do I. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, AJ, thanks again. Uh, have a great uh, opening series, opening season, and, uh, you know, stay in touch. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, folks, that was AJ Casavell of uh, MLB.com. Um, you know, he follows the Padres day-to-day. Uh, him and Dennis Lynn, you know, see the team on a daily basis, and it, it's good to to get to, you know, chew their ear a little bit and and, uh, and talk to them. Um, Patrick, is there anything that uh, we need to wrap up before we get out of here? No, I just wanted to say it's always great talking to AJ. I mean, 
between him and Dennis, it's just endless information. They're really the guys we count on to kind of get that inside information that we obviously can't get to. So it's always nice to hear those things. It's always nice to hear his perspective on the team. And he's he's just doing a great job in his role for MLB.com. And I just want to thank him again for coming on and, and making time to talk to us as he's done in the past and as he did again today. For sure, for sure. You know, we, we'll uh, we'll be back very shortly uh, with another excellent guest. Uh, I don't like to, to play my cards out a little uh, too early, but uh, we have another uh, exciting couple guests in the works um, here at uh, East Village Times uh, with the podcast. And uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, apologies for our extended hiatus. Uh, Patrick and I are definitely going to make the effort to uh, make this a weekly thing for you guys. Um, episode number 28 of the East Village Times podcast is officially signing out.